Hello folks, I'm glad you can join me once again for yet another episode of Campbell's Footballs! Yes, a warm welcome to Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by a good cry. On this week's show, I'm joined by a commentary legend. This man has been involved in some of the biggest games on Sky Sports, from Old Farm Derbies to Edinburgh Derbies to following the Scotland national team. Yes, I am joined this week by none other than Ian Crocker to discuss life in football, life in the commentary box, and all the goings-on with the Scottish game and also the game down south too. I'll be interested to chat to Ian about all those things, plus also get his own thoughts about whether Scotland can make Euro 2020. This, of course, is Campbell's Footballs, produced in association with Toby Johnson Music. Welcome to another episode of Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled by good crack. Uh, I am joined uh, this week by a legend of uh, football in Scotland. Uh, it's Sky Sports commentator Ian Crocker. Ian, a warm welcome to the show. Hey Grant, how are you? I'm very well, how are you? I myself as a legend, but thank you anyway. <laughs> I, think, I think you're an absolute hero of Scottish football and really one of the, the main guys that I got into sort of growing up. And, you know, I'm you conti- you're doing well. You, you continue to, uh, you continue to uh, light up Scottish football on Sky especially. Um, so first of all, how, how are you and uh, have you had a very busy week? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I was at West Ham Liverpool last night, uh, watching Liverpool's procession towards the title. Didn't think they were at their best, but they didn't really have to be. Got the job done with uh, in a fairly straightforward manner. And 19 points clear is is phenomenal, really, as far as the Premier League is concerned. Yeah, it's unthinkable, really. I mean, Liverpool have just been so dominant this season, and you just can't see them slipping up at home. They look ruthless, and away from home, they they find different ways to win games. They can be all style and all you know ruthless but in big games as well they can dig 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 things out and just get over the line which is which is very good and the mark of champions um so obviously and thanks very much for for coming on my show um basically it's good to get a flavor of a range of people being involved in the world of football and as i said one of the legends of uh, football commentary uh, so how did you get into that in the first place how what made you want to go into the world of football broadcasting well, I was brought up a long way from uh, where you are, for sure, on the south coast of England in Dorset. Um, I followed my local team, Weymouth, and used to go and watch their games every week and bring my transistor radio. This was uh, before your time, I would imagine, when uh, Radio 5 was essentially on Radio 2, Sport on 2, and the voices of, uh, of, the, of the generation when I was a boy was like Peter Jones, Brian Butler, Peter Lorenzo, 
fantastic voices, Peter Jones especially, and I thought, well, that'd be a good job to have, but sort of put it on the back burner for a while until I moved to London when I was 17 and uh, got eventually got an office job at the BBC trying to get into radio uh, there, didn't really succeed, got a job at West Ham, which, which I'd started supporting as a kid as their panel announcer, and through that met the guys from Capital Radio, got a job there, Jonathan Pierce, who's now a BBC commentator, was in charge, um, and then moved on to Sky, so it's, it's, it's funny how the story develops, it's funny how sometimes, it, you know, little make a difference, you meet, um, right place, right time, and everything. You mentioned Jonathan Pierce. I mean, every time I, I hear his voice, I always think of that uh, BBC Two show that I grew up watching called Robot Wars. It was absolutely fantastic on a Friday night. And obviously he was into football long before that. But I just love his commentary. He just makes you feel part of it as well. Is he one of your influencers, would you say? Well, obviously I work for him. And he, he, it's a very different style of... Uh Football commentary that he introduced on Capital and Jonathan was an absolute master at it. And he was actually he was actually working with Richard Park. He used to be at Radio Pride in Glasgow. Um, he was in charge of Capital then, and they developed that sort of style. And and it it was just it worked so well on back in the day on the radio. It was just it was just brilliant. And he was new. He was different. You know, it was actually it was actually football fans commentating, and getting excited, and all that. And it was it was something new, and it was something bold to do, and it. It worked out quite well for all of us, really, because the, the team that were the capital back in those days are uh, all working for Sky or BBC now. Yeah, absolutely, and you, you, you mentioned uh, Jonathan, as you said, and you've also worked with other um, commentators like Steve Wilson, haven't you? Yes, yeah, Steve was part of that gang at uh, Capital, so was Julian Waters, who's on Sky Sports News yes, now. Julian was good. a great commentator, gone into presenting a bit more now. Uh, Dave Clark, of course, Martin, absolute uh, top lad now, mm -hmm. uh, doing the cards and everything. Yeah, he's he super there, Dave. And, yeah. yeah, Rob Blotton is on Sky Sports But the boys turned out okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, when you started off in your kind of reign with Sky, um, did you feel that you would go into the world of Scottish football, or did you see yourself being very much involved in the English game? Not really. I started in, uh, funnily enough, I was at, at Capital one day working a breakfast shift on a Monday morning, and somebody had to represent Capital at the launch of the Premier League that Sky were having at Terry Venables Club in, in Kensington, I think it was, called Scrum. And uh, I picked the breakfast shift and didn't really fancy going, but there was nobody else in because it was a Monday and we'd all work the weekend. Uh -huh. So I was effectively told to go and, and I went along and obviously it was a, it was a good do, but I remember meeting Vic Wakeling, who was the head of Sky Sports there, and uh, a few glasses of red wine and saying, I'll be, I'll be working for you one day, even though I'd hardly done any commentaries at that point. Uh -huh. But um, not long afterwards, he, he, uh, he, he gave me the job of commentating on the Bundesliga for them, which was a way in. Um, alongside the stuff I was doing for Capital. So I was doing a few things for them for a few years, and then in 98, when, the, when Sky got the SPL deal, I was offered the chance to do it, and um, uh, and took it, uh, you know, and 22 years on, just about hanging in there. Yeah, you're doing fantastic stuff, and I remember um, you commentating on some on some big games, certainly in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, and probably the one that sort of springs to my mind right off the bat is uh, the Celtic Rangers games from the 2000s, the, the 6-2 especially at Celtic Park rings right up there for me personally. Yeah, the 6-2 was extraordinary. I mean, 3-0 after 11 and a half minutes, I think. Um, 3-1 by half time, although the Rangers had a goal wrong, he disallowed, it could have been 3-2, who knows. Although I think Henrik Larson would have uh, stepped forward to settle the issue that day. Certainly, uh, I always tell you that my two 
favourite Hall of Fame games, I think, would be that one. And just to level it up, of course, a Rangers victory, uh, just to avoid any biased games. But no, uh, the 2002 Cup final was pretty yes. special as well. Yes, that was a tremendous Cross, game. Peter Lovengram's stoppage time. You know, it was a one-off occasion for a Cup final. Um, that was uh, pretty good too. But fantastic matches. Yes, they come with a bit of baggage, which, which coming from a little village in Dorset, I don't really get. But for me it's a unique sporting occasion and um, there is nothing like it and I like the fact that you speak to anyone who's ever played in it or managed it and they say exactly the same Graham Sinus always says it John Hartson they always say there's, and they've played in some big other games yeah. <laughs> they always say there's nothing quite like the offer well as you always say Derby Day in Glasgow anything can happen can it it really can be um, obviously working with Sky um, have you been involved working with people like Martin Tyler or other people like that yeah, well, the thing is, um, we, Sky commentators rarely meet each other. I was talking to Martin last week, actually, because uh, a guy that, he, he's a coach in non-league in England and knew one of the guys that Kilmarnock had just signed, Kadamba. But generally, we're all at games, so our, our paths don't actually cross very often. But uh, commentators generally stick together, you know, and sometimes people think there's great rivalry, and I'm sure in one or two cases in the past there has been, but there's so many of us now that uh, generally everyone gets on. Mm-hmm. Do you have any um, kind of rhetorics that you do when you're preparing for a game? Will you do a lot of analysis before a match? How, what's your sort of work ethic if you've got a big game that you're commenting on at a weekend? Say, say Celtic Rangers, how much preparation would you do? I normally do the same prep for every game regardless, whereby I probably spend a day on it, if not a bit more, catching up, watching previous games, but also I'll have two sheets of A4 paper with information in little boxes on every single player who could be involved, both managers, and about 30, 40 general stats about the game. Generally, when it comes to the old firm, you hardly need to use any because the game is 100 miles an hour, fast, frantic, crazy, bonkers. Uh, There's no no need to actually chuck any stats in, particularly apart from a really good one. Um, You know, there are some games you get where you might use a few more stats than that you would in others where not much is going on yeah so you had a you had a started career at Sky and then you kind of had a little bit of a gap where you went to Satanta for a little while can you explain a little bit more about your role there and how it unfortunately kind of faded out in the end yeah quite simply there were well Sky had Martin uh, Rob Hawthorne Alan Barry and others who were ahead of me in the queue and couldn't really argue with that. I probably did argue at the time, but <laughs> couldn't really. So I thought, Santa uh, offered the chance to do a bit, a bit of both, really, Premier League and Scottish. So, yeah, I took it. Um, yeah, listen, you do things and make decisions in life that you think, well, I don't really regret it because at the time it's what I felt I ought to do. So it was an experience, and obviously when they bust, that was that. But, um, yeah, it was, it was something different. Yeah, absolutely. I just was intrigued to know, you know, what was happening there because obviously Satanta was supposed to be the next big thing and it never happened. A little bit like the ITV channel that was supposed to be happening in the early 2000s and that sort of faded out. Um, Ian, you've commented on some big games over the years, both with Scotland national team and at club level. Are there any key games that stand out for you? Well, for all the old, all the old phone, I don't think the first old phone game I did in 1990 was nil-nil. I haven't done too many that were nil-nil since. I remember Lionel Charbonnier making a save from Henry Glass in that game. It was still a great game, even though there were no goals. I mean, it's my first one, and it fizzed and whizzed by. You know, when 90 minutes felt like about 30. Um, 
And, you know, every all-home game to me is, is, is something that you look forward to and you feel privileged to be able to commentate on them. I've done almost 60 of them, which, you know, is, uh, is, makes me pinch myself sometimes. However, um, Motherwell 6, him 6. Yes. I don't think we'll ever see the like no. again. So it's ironic that we had two of the biggest clubs in the world in Scotland. Uh, and obviously, when they play each other, it is huge, it is massive. But that night at Fir Park was something that I quite like to experience again, but I don't think I ever will. Yeah, it was an absolutely extraordinary game. I remember watching it because weren't Hibs 5 2 up at one point, and Motherwell got back to 5 all and then got a late penalty, which was saved <laughs> at one stage. Was it 6 yeah, 2? I can't remember. Sports. Penalty, I think it was, and um, yeah, Graham Smith saved it. I think, and I think he gave it away as well. Yeah, it was. And then, obviously, Lucas Yukovic uh, stepped up in this time and scored a worldie. Yeah, um, you couldn't you couldn't make it up really. Although that Hibs team at the time, um, uh, I think they were they six two up, and I remember speaking to a few of the Hibs boys and, and the manager John Hughes at the time, and even even he said afterwards. We weren't even thinking that we'd want it being five, six, two up, you know. Yeah. And uh, extraordinary recovery for Motherwell. But it would, uh, I did an 8 4 once many years ago on Radio Warsaw Talkie in the FA Cup. So that was my second 12 goal thriller. But obviously, <laughs> uh, for it to end 6 6 was, was really something special. We, we still talk about it to this day, and I still watch it back occasionally on. Um, YouTube yeah and it was just honestly what a night yeah I remember watching that live and, and just being amazed and of course Craig Brown being the Motherwell manager even he couldn't yeah. believe it at the time seeing his face on that video it's just quite extraordinary um, some of the games from my mind that, that sort of came to my mind when you're when you're commentary moments certainly from an Aberdeen point of view um, James Madison's free kick um, at Pataudry at 2-1 game a couple of years ago even though it probably wasn't a free kick in the first place as a, as a Don's fan I make no apologies by saying this on this podcast it's, uh, it was ever sweet <laughs> yeah that was a special moment um, and I'm glad we got to see him because he's become one heck of a player he certainly well, has Villa Park actually on the funny that you mentioned that because I was at Villa Park watching Villa Leicester in the Carabao Cup on mm -hmm. Tuesday and, the, and Leicester got a late free kick from a very similar position mm -hmm. and uh, I was saying to the people next to me I've seen him do this before but he went against the wall I think it, that was that but uh, Madison, Madison's uh, developed into a, a top player he's fantastic and, and I think anyone who saw him at Aberdeen wouldn't actually be that surprised yeah he's, he's absolutely fantastic so that's one game that sort of sprung to my mind I mentioned Larson's superb chip against Rangers in that 6-2 game that sort of springs to my mind and just to even things up I know there's a few Rangers fans that listen to my podcast but another old firm game um, nil nil, 90 minutes Arthur Boric having an absolute worldie of a game and then Morris Edu tapping home a corner in the 91st minute to win an extraordinary game at Ibrox yeah, I remember that well. Um, yeah, a bit of a scrap in the box, wasn't it? Yeah. For a commentator, is, uh, you always think, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to pick out who's scored here. But uh, obviously, when he poked it in, he went, uh, he went bonkers, went mad. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that was some game. But listen, there's been so many of them over the years. You've done almost 60. You're like, uh, you, 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 sometimes you think uh, you, you struggle to remember mm -hmm. certain games and certain events in games. So, um, but no really privileged 
privilege to have done them and uh, just fantastic occasions. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Ian, you've worked with some extraordinary co-commentators in the past that have played the game. Andy Walker, Davy Proven, to name just a couple. Um, what did these guys offer to you in terms of a relationship, bouncing ideas off each other? What's it like to work yeah, with these guys? Well, obviously, I've worked with them for, for years, so we know each other inside out. And... Um, um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, sorry, my dog's barking in the background. If you can hear him, but uh, <laughs> it's just desperate, desperate to get on your podcast. But, um, Anyone is welcome. <laughs> it probably made more sense of Ian Fenn. I've known Andy and Davey for years, and we we, we hardly ever see each other, which is which is a big thing because something I hate when you hear commentators talking over each other, and it happens quite a lot. But when you when you work with people for so long, and always say I've got the easy job of just shouting out a few names here and there. Um, these guys have got to react to things that happen and analyse quickly and make their calls quickly. And uh, there is a, there is an art to that in the way they do it. But they've been doing it for a good few years now, so they'll probably get the hang of it soon. Yeah, who, who else have you worked with? Because I mentioned those two. Yeah, you worked with Scott Booth for a while, didn't you? And others? Yeah, I worked with Boozy at uh, Satana, doing all right for himself now. I've worked uh, with, with many over the years. Uh, Chris Camaro for four years on the on the Football League in England between 2002 and 2006 when we did all the playoff finals, which then were at the fantastic Millennium. Yes. But a great, great football arena. Not hardly his football these days, sadly. And Cammy was brilliant because he just, it, you see his passion. Yeah when you see him on the telly and he just on the gantry he just used to jump about up and down and this and that he was great value to work for um, Tony Gale who, uh, who I've known for years from my of time course. at West Ham um, one of the funniest guys in the game yeah it's been a lot over the years and we all keep in touch and uh, obviously do the odd game here and there along the way but yeah Andy and Davey have been um, been the mainstays for, for with me in Scotland yeah, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? And, and I think that continuity works quite well. And, you know, I've, I've followed Scotland international games all the time and the two of you work really well together and, and I enjoy some of the matches, hopefully when Scotland win as well, which always helps, but <laughs> never mind. Um, in terms of grounds you've been to, you've been to a lot of um, grounds to commentate on matches. Are there any grounds that you really enjoy going to? I mean, probably some of them stand out because of the, you know, like Celtic Park and Ibrox, but are there any sort of um, interesting ones that maybe some some others maybe wouldn't have thought about? Yeah, Celtic Park and Ibrox obviously great, great stadiums. Yeah. I quite like Tannadise and I'm glad that it looks like Dundee United are coming back because yes. the gantry there is, is actually a perfect a perfect height um, and you get a great view of the pitch and also the away fans, which is usually when we do the games there, Celtic or Rangers are right below you, so you kind of feel... Uh, <laughs> You feel it a bit as well when they're there, and um, they're always quick to make an occasional sign or two, but it's all part of the fun. So I'm glad to see Dundee United coming back. Um, uh, the the one that stands out in Scotland for me was our Brove. We did a, a couple of games there. Oh, yes. It was a bit windy, to say the least, as nobody will be surprised about. <laughs> and it was suggested to me by health and safety that I put a harness on to avoid being <laughs> blown into the North Sea. Yeah. Because um, the gantry obviously is right next to the North Sea. Yeah. And I went, don't be silly, don't be silly, I'll be alright, because there's no way a fat commentator is getting blown into the North Sea. <laughs> but that wind had a go with that night, to be fair. And <laughs> But I made it through. But it was, uh, was a great experience. I really loved going to places like that. And 
quite a lot of the lower grounds as well kind of obviously because obviously when Rangers got dropped down to League 2 and they were coming back up the league because yeah. you were commenting on quite a lot of those games and obviously Balmour sort of springs to my mind because that was Rangers first game uh, wasn't yeah. it when they were down in, down to my in mind the too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. first of all it was, a, it was a surreal experience watching Rangers play in the bottom division in Scotland um, but, but uh, let's not go there on that one because yeah, yeah we were there for Peterhead and it was Blowing a gale, we actually had a few technical issues because the gantry was exposing. What That's right, I remember. Uh, we, we thought we'd be all right in August, but obviously not in Peter Head. Uh, no. Blowing <laughs> a gale, started raining, and the rain was getting into all the technical equipment. And I remember the game well because with about five minutes to go, nothing much was working on the gantry, which uh, you know the viewers might have quite enjoyed if they couldn't hear us. But uh, fortunately, we have a top team of engineers who got it working with about. 30 seconds to go and we were able to do it but uh, I do remember standing on that gantry thinking crikey it's good it feels like about three but hey as I say another story amongst many all the fun Absolutely, and welcome to the northeast of Scotland, where the weather can be very inconsistent, to say the least. Um, Ian, you've had a tremendous career so far. Have you got any advice for young people who maybe want to go into the world of journalism and media? Yeah, well, we, we, if you come along to see what we do on the uh, outside broadcast, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, why not? Is what I always say. I mean, grew up in a small village in Dorset where nothing much happened at all. Great place to grow up in, but sleepy. And um, you know, moved to London at a young age and sort of worked my way through. But I always say, you know, any, any little bit of experience you can get anywhere um, helps. Um, but mainly, you just have to believe in yourself. Yeah. I always think if you don't. If you don't believe in yourself, why would you expect anyone else to? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very good point for for life in general. I think it's uh, I think it's absolutely. very appropriate. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I mean, when I started out with this podcast, I just thought, you know what? Let's have a go. Let's see if I can, you know, tweet or get involved with a lot of people that are involved in the world of football. And let's see what happens. And lo and behold, some people kind of bought into the idea. And I'm like, Reiki, well, let's have a go at this. And you know, look how it's yeah, going. Yeah, okay, people like yourself on is a real honour for myself. It it really is. Um, you've had the good name, but you're spotted with this one. Obviously, getting me. But hey, yeah, yeah, it's well, been good so far. Yeah, it's no, well, you're, down, but, uh, no, you'll get over it. Well, no, you're you're doing all right. That's for sure. Um, in terms of in terms of your own career where do you see yourself going from here do you, obviously the world of social media and twitter is kind of evolving all the time you know we've got things like amazon prime kind of on the go we've got obviously these things like netflix and youtube and all that do you see yourself maybe moving into to that neck or do you still you see yourself very much involved within the sky setup well, I hope so. You never know. In the, you never know in life, generally, do you? But I'm quite happy with a lot at the moment, doing a bit of English here and there, and doing a bit of, or quite a lot of Scottish, um, which suits me fine. Because I love Scotland. Obviously, been, been working there for so long that uh, I quite like uh, getting around the country as well, especially Loch Lomond down that way. Yeah, being parts of the country. Although there's so much to see in Scotland, you think. So do you commute quite a lot to games because it sounds like you do quite a lot of travelling throughout a week. In a typical week you must go quite a far distance yeah. I imagine. Yeah, it's part, it's part of the job, Grant. You, I mean, obviously if anyone's trying to get around the UK, as many people do in, in, in other jobs as well, it's not the easiest. And, uh, I, try, I try to hold back, maybe about trains, planes and automobiles and everything, but yeah. 
yeah, it can be a bit tricky, but uh, generally, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's not so bad. Uh, I find the trains the best way of getting across the country, to be honest. And um, you know, I don't mind a long train journey and sort myself out here and there. But listen, uh, the rewards are there in, in the job that we do. People say you don't realise how lucky you are commentating on football, but we all do realise how lucky we are. Yeah. That's for sure. No, absolutely. Now, I'll go back to Sky again because I've missed a question. Right? Um, obviously, the, the Sky coverage, you've got people like Ailey Barber who's doing a terrific job on there. You've people like Chris Boyd and Chris Commons doing some great stuff there. Have you had much interaction with these guys? Yeah, of course. We, uh, we're, we're together every week and uh, we've got a good bunch. Uh, we've got a good backroom team as well, good production team. Sky has been involved with Scottish football for a long time now. And, um, you know, we've... Uh, the money in and, and thankfully this, that's going to continue over the next few years or so so um, yeah we've, we've, got a, we've got a good team never a dull moment with some of them around like Boydie so, yeah, uh, yeah. now we're uh, we're a good bunch yeah no I think they're really good I think they're a really good team to, to watch obviously I watched the, the Hearts Rangers game on uh, on the Sunday we were recording this on the 30th of January and I love the interaction between Neil McCann and Chris Boyd obviously both played for Rangers but Neil obviously played for Hearts and I, I love that interaction that they had about the game and, and what was all going on because a, it was a terrific game a great win for Hearts a great win for Daniel Stendhal but also interesting to see what was unravelling a little bit for Rangers in that match especially yeah, I'm not sure many people saw that coming. I saw it. No, it surprised me, but I think it surprised Stephen Gerrard more, judging by his uh, comments after mm -hmm. the game, which I thought were brutally honest. And but that's that's kind of the way he is. He's been very impressive in his interviews. But um, yeah, uh, Hearts were, uh, were were certainly up for it. And the big question for them is whether they can go and do it week in week out <laughs> against other teams but um, I mean you know they, they got the job done but I just think the level of performance from Rangers was something, something that we, we haven't seen much of this season we kind of saw it when they came back from the winter break last season when they That's right. after taking the lead in Carolina similar circumstances but um, listen it could be a one off they've still got their game in hand they've, they've outplayed Celtic in the last two old phone meetings you know I, I just hope to be honest that we get a, a decent title race because I'm a bit selfish that way because that's what we want yeah so do I we could get close to the wire so uh, I still think you know that could happen it's just that Celtic have had a little bit of a ruthless look about them yes yeah, no, I, I'm in. I'm, yeah, no, I'm in full agreement. I, I was, I was watching them against St Johnston last night, and the game was all over inside the first thirty minutes. They were absolutely ruthless, and Celtic always do well against St Johnston. They just score goals for fun, don't they? Yeah, they do. I was at West Ham, so I missed that, but I saw the goals, and I mean, you know, they got the job done in half an hour. And really, it's how Rangers respond to to that, uh, which was a big setback at Hearts, because I think Stephen. Gerard probably thought those kind of performances had been put behind them, you know. But it came back. But listen, it's how you how you react, and um, you know they got to win midweek. You just gotta you just gotta keep on winning now. There's so little margin for error because I think they will be so close to each other. And then you got the next Old Firm game at Ibrox, which is obviously going to be well. I say it's going to be huge, but whenever they meet, it's huge. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, out with the old firm because it would be a miss to not talk about the rest of the 10 teams in the Scotch like we did mention Hearts and St Johnston briefly but you know have any of the other teams surprised you how well they've done this season? I quite like watching Motherwell um, you know sometimes if I don't I, I normally do a game in England on a Saturday and then make my way up to the Sunday game in Scotland but if there's no game in England I've actually been to Motherwell to watch them if 
you don't like him quite like the way they um, said, I mean, Gary Hall's done some job there. Super job. He might have got the job to be honest maybe he still will one day but you know with, with respect to Livingston he probably what I got to, to be fair but you know he's passionate the team that's, uh, that's hard to beat I know they play each other this weekend Livia and Motherwell yeah he, uh, could be interested but yeah um, yeah particularly impressed by Motherwell of, of all the teams and I think Hibbs will uh, will come pretty good under Jack Jack Ross, yeah, definitely. I think that will be very interesting to see how they uh, they get on. I mean, you mentioned Livingston. I mean, I mentioned on another podcast with Daniel Cole last week's show, if you want to follow up on the Campbell's Football's uh, uh, discography, if you want. Um, I was saying that I think Livingston are slight dark horses for the Scottish Cup, maybe have a good run to send after the season. But also, I think Gary Hall has to be able to shout for manager of the season. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the players. I mean, last season, defensively, they were so solid when they had, um, you know, uh, Craig Halkett, Declan Gallagher. They looked for his team, and you think they could struggle this season because that back three, well, generally, I'll single out the back three, but generally, as a team, they defended so well and were hard to beat. Had a couple of, you know, great results against the old firm last season, this season. Um, so I think he's done a, an outstanding job there. and. Um, with what he's had available and you know uh, they, they could be eyeing top six as well absolutely you know, with a shout well, they're eight points ahead of seventh place Kilmarnock at the moment, and you know you mentioned their defence. I, I really like Lyndon Dykes. I think he's been one of the signings of the season. Yeah, I mean, obviously a great presence, and they call Celtic no end of uh, absolutely. But uh, yeah, he's certainly uh, he's certainly been a standout, uh, one of the standout performers in the Scottish. Premiership and um, yeah, I don't think many defenders would be too keen coming up against him. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we had some games in the week. We mentioned the Celtic beating St Johnston. Rangers saw off Ross County 2-0. Um, I thought it was a bit of a labour performance by Rangers by all accounts, but they got over the line. They got the three points, but looks like maybe Jermaine Defoe might be injured for a wee while. Yeah, yeah, that would be a shame because I think uh, Jermaine signed on the next year as well. I mean, when the very loss is fit, he's going to play and Jermaine will be coming on if needed in the last 15 minutes. He's a good guy to look for a goal because I followed, I remember watching him play as a, as a young lad, worryingly, mm-hmm. and now he's coming towards the end of his career. But obviously a natural born goal scorer and been a terrific player and good guy as well. Um, bringing the guy happy into the Haji's fun. Um, but, you know, maybe there'll be a bit more activity, but um, I hope it's not too serious because uh, having followed Jermaine's career for quite a few years, I hope he uh, still has a, a big part to play. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Ayanis Haji, the Romanian midfielder. It looks like he's going to, well, he has signed, hasn't he, on a six month loan uh, from Genk for Rangers uh, for recording this. I think that could be an interesting set. He seems to be quite a good player by all accounts. Do you know much about him? Apart from the I fact he's Georgi's uh, son? Yeah, yeah, well, if he's anything like that, he was a brilliant player. Struggling to be that good. Now I've seen him in a few European games. Not enough to form a, a, a total opinion of him, but uh, I know people who have seen him say that yeah, he's got something back and uh, it's an interesting acquisition. I think it's always difficult getting people in in the winter window. You know, even when you you really you really want to. There's mm. so much. It's so hard. It's obviously a lot of clubs don't want to let their players go in the winter window if they've got something banking on whatever. You know, it's why. Uh, you know, a few uh, people I know in England are saying, oh, you know, their club might sign Morelos in the winter window. It's like, 
No, because there's no chance of just no. setting him in the winter window. Absolutely again. not. No. The title, so you have to educate them now and again. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, for my sons, I'm also a Manchester United fan as well as an Aberdeen fan, and I would love to see Morelos in a Manchester United shirt, but there's no way that that's happening. <laughs> not at the moment, anyway. No. <laughs> but, got Bruno Fernandes. Well, that's an interesting. I was just going to come on to what. What do you make of him? Because Manchester United need a bit of a spark in that midfield, especially. He's a player, yeah. I mean, you look at that United squad and it's it's a pale imitation of... I used to love going there watching the, the, the good teams of the not-so-recent past. One of my favourite venues to commentate on in England. Probably my favourite, actually. Saw some great games there. Did quite a few games in there. Trevor winning year, actually, in the Premier League there on the Saturday afternoon. And yeah, it's, it, it, I know some people take great delight in their recent demise as such, but, um, you know, I, I, I've always enjoyed going there, but... Yeah. But just you look at the squad, and uh, sadly, a lot of the players are just not good enough for Manchester United. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I mean, I watched their game against Manchester City on the dual screen last night and uh, they got the win, but City, for me, had the tie sort of done and dusted in the first leg and I felt they could have gone through a couple of gears should they needed to and you know, they got over the line. And now, now they play Villa in the Carabao Cup final, which you know could be very interesting. Yeah, well, I watched Villa on um, Tuesday night. I think they probably would have preferred to play Manchester United. Absolutely. Have we been pumped by City recently in the league? That's but very true. This is a one-off game. You never know. I mean, you know, not many people gave Villa a chance on Tuesday. Uh, Leicester had the better chances, um, but might be kicking themselves a bit. But Villa should the heart, and they're going to have to show a lot of that one. My opinions, Manchester City for sure. But um, in a one-off game, I mean, it's likely, you know, but. We've seen strange results before. Well, obviously, you'll have to look at Wigan winning the FA Cup final in 2013. That sort of ranks up there. You mentioned Leicester there, Ian. Do you think there'll be a little bit of regret for Brendan Rodgers? Because it was a great opportunity for them to win a piece of silverware this season. It was, yeah. I think, uh, uh, I think I'm right in saying his last cup defeat, obviously, he scored through the Celtic, was it against Aston Villa as well? Yeah. Liverpool in, uh, That's right. Yeah, I think it was FA Cup semi final, wasn't it? Five right. years ago, possibly. Yeah. Uh, four years ago, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it really gutted Brendan because he's done a fantastic job there. Um, I know he got a lot of stick when he left Celtic, but he's taken over a squad that is, for me, I was going to say the best outside the big six, but the big six aren't really the big six anymore. No, no. I'm pretty convinced Leicester will definitely finish top this season because the squad is fantastic. Um, They've got so many outstanding young players. Um, Yeah, they'll be absolutely kicking themselves for Tuesday for not getting to that final because I think they would have given Manchester City quite a game well. But um, I think generally what he's done so far has been uh, pretty good. He's a good Leicester, good club. You go there and everyone's in it together and um, a really exciting squad. Um, but, you know, it's how you how you recover from setbacks like that and move on. And I think I'd be surprised if they don't finish top four looking at the state of some of the other clubs that yeah. usually No, definitely. Definitely. I, I said at the start of the season on my very first podcast, I fancied Leicester to get in the top four, simply because of the transitional periods that were happening at Arsenal and Tottenham were going yeah. through a difficult spell after their Champions League uh, runners-up berth last yeah. year. You had you had Manchester United still going through problems. You know, it was it was very interesting to see how it was going to shape up, but I don't, I don't think anybody saw Liverpool looking so dominant at the top. 
No, I don't think anyone saw that coming. And when you look at Manchester City at the moment and the way they play, I mean, I've been fortunate enough to cover them a few times over the past few years. I mean, I saw them beat Stoke 7 2 a couple of years back. Honestly, it was like watching Pep's Barcelona and possibly even better. And De Bruyne was just sensational that day and most days. But you look at Man City sometimes and, and the way they swap teams aside, you wonder how on earth they are managing to be 19 points behind Liverpool at the yeah. which says a bit about them, but Ashby says more about Liverpool. I mean, to win 23 out of 24 games, draw one against Man U, 41 unbeaten in the Premier League, um, and, and obviously last night against West Ham, they just they pretty much strolled. If they had to up the up the to, they probably would have done, but... Um, no, listen, they're, they're going to be worthy champions. They play some fantastic stuff. Great to watch. Yeah. About time, too, some would say. 30 years in the waiting. Yeah. Um, incredible. They haven't won it since 1990. But their time has come. Yeah. A lot of Liverpool fans on this podcast might not want to hear the answer to this next question, but can you see them going unbeaten? I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. Um, Yeah, no, I think so. As well. I think possibly that as well, personally. But I think it might be a team yeah. that's looking to get a result to stay up that might might be the difference. But we shall wait and see. Yeah, you never know. When it comes to the fact that Liverpool are obviously going to wrap up the title quite early, maybe in the latter stages they will come up against one of these teams who are fighting for their lives. Yeah, but it could happen. It doesn't look like it will at the minute because they just look so comfortable. But I think once they've won the league, I mean, they can win it. I mean, they're used to playing it after they've won it. Absolutely, well, we'll certainly keep a watching brief on that, that's for sure. Okay, well, that brings us into the kind of last third of the show where Ian will take on myself in my weekly predictions challenge on the show. I lost uh, last week to Danny Caught of Talking Boz by a single point. Well done, Danny, on winning. It's the first time he's won anything for ages because he's a, a big follower on the Ladbroke Social Club. If you follow that on YouTube, do give it a watch. He also does his own podcast. Really good to have Danny on the show last week. Ian, I've lost two of my last three, so I need to bounce back. Back and still here, so a bit of pressure on me no, here this year. So no pressure on you here. Yeah, you are, you got a good chance because I'm hopeless at predictions. I do a I do a one with Andy Walker every week. He normally beats me. I'm just ahead at the moment, but that's unusual. Oh well, that's interesting. So I'll, I'll have to try and up my game here. So let's start off with the English Premier League because uh, there's some really good games here. In fact, there's good games in Scotland as well this week. Uh, but let's start in the English Premiership because there's a big game uh, lunchtime kickoff on Saturday. Leicester against Chelsea. Yeah, I think, uh, oh, do you know what, I, don't, I think Leicester will be deflated uh, from losing that semi-final. But I might have gone for a Leicester win, but after that semi-final, we're going to go for a 1-1 draw there. 1-1 one, one draw. I'm going, to go, I'm going to kind of go with your line of thinking, but I'm actually going to go a wee win for Chelsea. Um, I think Leicester have hit the skids a little bit, as you mentioned, and Chelsea always do quite well away from home against the big teams. I saw them play against Spurs earlier in the season, and they were really, really good. And uh, Chelsea can be a little bit inconsistent, but I just have a sneaky feeling that they might get a win here. So I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea at 
the King Power. I like Leicester, I want them to be in the top four, but I think Chelsea will win this game to cement their own credentials for four, top four, of course. Now, really big six-pointer here, Bournemouth against Aston Villa next. Well, on the team thinking of Leicester, I think that result on say for Aston Villa will give them a huge lift for the, uh, what remains in the mm. um, Had they lost that, I really would have said for them, but winning it, I would think I stadium you know, around and the pace was absolutely bouncing and jumping. Yes, yeah, it's a huge game. I've seen a bit of Bournemouth lately and they've actually been really poor. Um, you know, not good at all. Stores them at West Ham where they were just terrible lost mm, That's right. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for a two one win. 2-1 Villa. I'm going to go score a draw. I know Bournemouth beat Brighton a while back, but yeah, I do agree with you. They have been uh, very poor. Um, are Villa too reliant on Jack Grealish sometimes? I still think they are. This is a tough game for both teams. I think both need a win, but neither will get it. I'm going to go 1-1. By the way, uh, this has been absolutely fantastic this year. We doesn't get an England team uh, come March. He'll be a major surprise. Yeah, I think it, I think there's always this debate about who's better between him and James Madison. In my opinion, I think they're both fantastic players. And well, I've, I've played them both, but I'm not the manager. So. Well, this is it. Gareth's got a tough job on his hands there. That's for sure. Now, a really good game next one between two sides. I think have punched above their weight this season. Crystal Palace and Sheffield United. Yeah, I saw Sheffield United the other week, and John Fleck actually was uh, brilliant for them. But Arsenal scored their prize that will be the end of the deflection. But they really, really enjoyed watching Sheffield United. Although they're, they're actually they're not much different to how they played in the Championship next season, which makes it uh, last season which was quite remarkable as well. They've been terrific. Love the manager Chris Wilde. Totally. Yeah. Um, I, don't know, I might, I might actually go for. I'm going to go for a 1-1. A 1-1 draw. I'm going to go a wee win for Sheffield United. I've been mightily impressed with Chris Wilder's sides this season. They're always very tough to beat, but they know their strengths as well. It's not just set pieces. They've got some great play. You mentioned Fleck. You know, we talk about go-to men for Scotland going forward. If Fleck is playing in these um, playoff games against Israel and possibly Norway or Serbia should we get through, he could be vital, especially with people no. like John McGinn out. And I just think him and Ollie McBurney scoring a few goals as well could obviously be important as well. Palace are always very good at home, but I think Sheffield United might come away with the three points here because you wouldn't be surprised because they've done it so many times this season and I think they could do it again. So I'm going to go 2-1 Sheffield United. Now, the Liverpool juggernaut, the unbeaten juggernaut, rolls on against improving Southampton. Yeah, I'm doing the game. I've done Southampton three or four times away from home this season. I've been really impressed with them. They've been excellent. They've been awful at home. Uh, I think they've got the, uh, well, they did have the joint worst home call with West Ham my second now, but after West Ham losing last night. But uh, Southampton away are a different, different story. Um, quite like their coach. I'm, I'm glad they stuck with him after yeah. that night. Boshing oh, Western. definitely. Um, I think they could they could cause problems for Liverpool on Saturday. Um, whenever I, I'm doing the game um, for the World Feed and for, for Sky, whenever I predict a game that I'm commentating on, <laughs> I always go for a five-goal thriller. It's only worked out about three times, but I'm going to go... 3-2 Liverpool. 3-2 Liverpool. Oh, exciting. I'll be looking at that game and hoping for goals for you. I'm actually going for a comfortable Liverpool win again. I, I know Southampton have been improving and, you know, 
after the 9-0, I think everybody, including myself, was thinking, oh, Hassan Hootel must be sure to go. But credit to Southampton, they've stuck with him. They've got Danny Ings, who's scoring loads of goals. James Moore-Price has been fantastic for them as well this season in recent yeah, weeks. Been, yeah. And, uh, you know, they've, they've been really, really good. Um, but I just think Liverpool are just so ruthless at the moment at home. And that front three, Firmino scoring big goals, Salah scoring, obviously, on, on the... And Wednesday not last night you had uh, you know Manny as well the, the midfield are very strong Henderson's been one of my players of the season and then at the back they're so solid and you know it's an to get chances it's going to be hard for them and I've actually gone 3-0 Liverpool here I, I just see a very convincing home win but I hope it's a good game and I hope Southampton can really get a goal or two because it would be interesting. I'll just stick with my five goals for the predictions when I do a live game so we'll, we'll see. Well, remember Southampton in the reverse game caused them problems because I think they, they lost 2-1 but they had their chances and I remember in the game I think it was was the goalkeeper had a, a bit of a mistake which allowed Southampton to get back in the game so who knows, we shall see. Now an interesting game next, Newcastle. Um, always interested to see how Newcastle play because you know they're always a mid-table side against bottom-of-the-table Norwich who... You know, play good football, but unfortunately are bottom of the pile. Yeah, Norwich do. Uh, again, not to play like they did last season, the great watch. But um, in the Premier League, you know, you're going to get, you get, you get some exposure, you're going to get punished. Uh, St. James Park, one of my favourite places to go to. Yeah, it's a great stadium. Love it. I know the, the, the Tudor Army have had their issues this season, but still a fantastic place to work at and to watch football and the great footballing city. Um, Steve Bruce has done better than many. Definitely. Which surprised me because I've known quite well. Yeah. Um, I, I love sort of win a trip love Brucey to bore them actually coming up cup just to see what the reaction would be on the on time side yeah definitely um, yeah I think they've um, it'll be a tricky game because Norwich will come and have a go but I'm going to go 2-1 Newcastle 2-1 Newcastle I'm also going home when I'm going for 2-0 Newcastle I think they've been improving of late and you know guys like Almiron and Maximilian starting to find their feet a little bit that could make all the difference for Newcastle. I think they'll be fine. I don't think they'll go down, but just for maybe making that step up for next season, you know, that will certainly help. Norwich, I, re I, I like seeing them play, but they're just not getting the results. I mean, I, I always like following them because I like to see how Kenny McLean gets on being a former Aberdeen player. And, you know, they've got players like Todd Cantwell who've been outstanding. And Timu Puki, you know, where would they be without his goals? You know, I think he's been sensational times this season. But I think Newcastle win this game 2 0. And I think about big three points for them if they. Do. Um, next up is Watford against Everton. Yeah. Um, That's a tricky one, this one, I think. It is a tricky one to predict because uh, obviously, both under recent new management, um, Nigel, they've had a little stuff there lately, but Nigel Pearson generally has done quite well. No great surprise. Another decent guy, straightforward, knows what he's doing. Um, I might have to go for the old 1-1 here. 1-1. I'm going to go home win for Watford. And you mentioned Nigel Pearson. And I, I think he'll get Watford safe. I really do. I think he'll get them out of trouble. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if he gets players like Delafeu playing well, you know, Ducouri in that midfield, you've got players like Dini, who's their focal point, you know, that's going to make all the difference. I still think Everton will have a solid season, but Everton don't usually do well at Vicarage Road. I think they've lost two of their last three meetings, so not going to be easy for them. And, you know, I think they're awful reliant at times on Richarlison and Calvert-Loon for that spark. I don't think Sigurdsson's at the heights of recent seasons and I just think Watford with the crowd behind them at Vicarage Road will get the job done and get the three points. Uh, next up is your team, Ian. West Ham against Brighton. This is a huge game for both teams. Yeah, this has become a bit of a monster for both. I mean, uh, West Ham against Liverpool were actually 
exactly what I've gone for as well <laughs> and the reason I've gone for that is I just think with David Moyes at the helm I think he'll keep West Ham up I think I said at the time they needed someone in with a bit of stability and uh, you know maybe they're not quite getting some of the results at the moment but we mentioned the Bournemouth game and that was a huge three points for them there and Brian I don't know what's going to happen to them a little bit they've just just kind of faltered a little bit at the wrong time they lost at Bournemouth There's the, the goals have dried up for them and they're, they're conceding a couple of cheap goals as well and you know this is a sort of game that they can they can ill afford to, to not get anything out of so uh, I'm going to go 1-0 West Ham though and I think I'm going to go for a Robert Snodgrass to score because uh, I want to see the Scottish guy scoring goals so I'll go well, for a Snodgrass Snoddy's been great for them actually he has some cracking crosses in the game against uh, Liverpool he's been terrific for them I mean after Brighton they've got Man City away and then Liverpool away yeah, so huge games so do with a win on on Saturday but when I was looking at their final six fixtures and five of them uh, are against the teams there near the bottom wow. so yeah the next few uh, after Brighton the next couple of fixtures are nightmares but when it comes to the end of the season it'll be in their hands because we'll be facing teams in similar trouble do you think David Moyes will keep them up I think they will as I said Yes, I agree. He's a guy who's uh, been around the box a few times in the Premier League. I think only Wenger, Ferguson and Redknapp have been in charge of more Premier League games. And I'm getting a bit statty now. Uh, <laughs> Take it over my mantle, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but you, think, you like to think by now he knows what he's doing. But I have to say the natives are pretty restless at, at the London Stadium. Um, so really, they absolutely need a win on Saturday because they're not going to get anything at Man City or Liverpool. Yeah, I always think it's, it's a difficult one to gauge where West Ham are because for me, I always think they're a mid-table, lid-to-lower-table side. I, I think they're a sort of 10th, 11th, 12th sort of club. And I, I think if they get any higher than that, they've overachieved. And if they're lower than that, then they're obviously underachieving and in the trouble. But that's my view on that one. But uh, Yeah, having, having spent most of my life supporting West Ham, uh, they don't really do table. They like a bit of drama at either end, mm. mostly the bottom end. So I'm sure it will be the same again. Yeah, well, we shall wait and see. And I hope for your sake, West Ham pick up the win on the Saturday. Speaking of Saturday, a big game for my team, Man United. Um, a home to Wolves, and Wolves have been going well this season. Yeah, well, it's been terrific watch. I saw a lot of them four or five times in the first few months of the season. Um, Nuno's terrific up there, and uh, they've got some I'm actually going to go against my team. I'm going to go for Wolves to pick up an away win. Well, every time United pick a time where they find a result, they take two or three steps backwards and go the other way. And Wolves are one of these teams that they will stick in, they will work hard, and they have an out ball in Jimenez, who's been brilliant for them this season. You've got Neves in there. You've got Traore, who's been one of the players of the season now with in the very commas of the Big Six. And I think he's been sensational to us. And my United look very 
vulnerable defensively. Even against Manchester City in the, the second leg of the Carabao Cup, they were need, reliant on David De Gea making some big saves and big blocks and that. And I think Wolves will come out with nothing to fear and we'll get results. So I'm going to go 2-1 Wolves. So sorry, man, you fans about going with Wolves this week. Um, two games on Sunday. Um, Burnley, who've picked up a couple of big results in recent weeks, are home to Arsenal. Yeah, uh, that'll be a tricky one for Arsenal. Mm, Burnley, I agree. Not, not going to, I think they get a lot of stick for the for the way they play, which is they play to their strengths. I mean, they play to their strengths, but also they do have good players. They like do. Westwood, Cork, McNeil, the two centre halves are rock solid normally. Yeah, um, it's a proper old style club when you go to Burnley, and I, and I quite I quite like that in this day and age. But I think they're uh, yes, they play to the strengths of Wood. You know, he's great at what he does. I mean, uh, and uh, Barnes, a, a player I really like watching. Um, so this will be a tricky game for Arsenal. And um, I'm, I'm <laughs> I thought coming into this, I thought they might sneak it, but now I'm going to go for a one-one draw. There and as well. Another one-one draw. A lot of draws in this week's predictions from Ian Crocker. Interesting. <laughs> I'm going to go an Arsenal away win simply because they're due one uh, and B I think they've, I think some of their players like Aubameyang are, are so important for Arsenal obviously you know got sent off against Crystal Palace recently you know there's an over-reliance I think on him for goals I think some of the midfield players like Pepe we've always seen flashes of him need to see him step up a little bit but I do think Burnley will get chances because Arsenal are vulnerable defensively it wouldn't surprise me if Burnley actually win the game but I'm going to go away win for Arsenal because I just as I said I just believe Arsenal are going to get an away win somehow um, and I'll be watching this next game on Sunday afternoon Spurs against Manchester City yeah that's going to be fascinating as well yeah. um, you haven't quite worked out as a as I wished it would with Tottenham but um, you know he's certainly capable of uh, toppling Man City in, in a game like this um, I really don't know with this one I really don't know um, it's a tough one I'm going to go 1-2 in City's favour, but it wouldn't surprise me if they off. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because I've, I've actually gone for a score draw here. I've gone 2-2. I think uh, Spurs will get something out of this game because City, although they lost last night, there was times where they lacked a little bit of pace and quality and possession of the ball. I think sometimes when De Bruyne is sensational, and we saw this when he played for, for Belgium when he played Scotland, he, he, he just dictates games. Uh, Sterling obviously scores goals. They've got Aguero. We know we know that but defensively they could be got at and if Spurs can get players like Lucas Moura into the game you know Dele Alli's found a bit of form since Mourinho's come in they will get opportunities and uh, you know with the crowd behind them there'll be an electric atmosphere as it always is at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium uh, I, I think Spurs will get a result I'm going to go 2-2 I think it'll be a really good game Let's move by the way the stadium is fantastic yeah I, it's on my list of places to go visit it's on my list of places to go and visit, so I'm looking forward to, to yeah, seeing it. Yeah, you must. It. It's superb. Yeah. Let's move into the Scottish Premiership because there's six games on the list of this weekend. Uh, let's start with the game Easter Row between Hibs and St. Mullen. Now, St. Mullen got a point against uh, my, my my team Aberdeen on Sunday. Not a great game, but a, big, a, good, a decent result for St. Mullen, maybe? I think uh, quite a fancy Hibs in this one. Uh, Tim Goodwin's done a good job at St. Mirren and they there can be a tough nut to crack, but um, obviously Doidge is mm. scoring for fun for Hibs. Um, a big fan of Jack Ross as well, and I think uh, obviously a big game for him <laughs> coming up against St. Yes. Yes. But um, I'm going to go for a bit of a 3 1 to Hibs here. 3 1 Hibs. I'm also going for Hibs, but I'm going to go for a slightly closer game. I'm going to go 2 1. Um, you mentioned Doidge. He Penny for Paul Heckenbottom's thoughts, eh? Because he's just 
racking in heaps of goals. Um, I watched them against Dundee United in the Scottish Cup a couple of weeks back, and I love Scott Allen. I love the way he just creates opportunities. Um, Martin Boyle's been a bit of a revelation in recent weeks. My problem with Simon is they just don't score enough goals, and if they're going to stay up, they need to find a goal scorer. And you know, there's a lot of games I see them where they have a nil next to their name, and you know, you can defend as well as you want, but if you if you don't score, you're you're going to be in trouble. Next up is Kilmarnock against Ross County, two of the poorest form sides in the division at the moment. Yeah, Kilmarnock are having a bit of a shocker. Mm. Um, quite, something about them, uh, I mean, you know, they've got some good players. Uh, I quite like watching them, obviously they're on the poor run at the minute. Um, you know, they've decided to give Alex Dyer the, the, to, you know, the job for now. Um, he obviously knows all the players. And um, this, this, we were there the other week when Celtic went there. And there's still quite a good feel about the camp, even though they've been on this mm. losing run. A losing run that I think is going to end with a sneaky 1-0 against Ross County. A 1-0 win. I'm going to go for a score draw because I've got a few Ross County mates who were texting me this week saying, oh, you haven't backed us for a positive result for a while. So I'm going to back you guys for a draw this weekend. I'm going to go 1-1. I think Ross County and Kilmarnock could both be in a bit of a scrap at the end of the season, both needing to find results and form quickly. I don't think either will, though, here, so I'm going to go 1-1. Now, we mentioned Livingston Motherwell um, earlier on, and, of course, this is the next game on the list. I think this could be a cracking game, Ian. Yeah, as we say, two teams who I think have uh, done really well this season. Um, both managers have been impressive uh, with the way they've gone about their business and the way they've set up their teams. And... Um, yeah, it's, I think this could be a rather tight one, though. Uh, I think it'll be a good game, but I think it'll be 1-1. 1-1. I'm going to go for a narrow away win for Motherwell, which is a, a slight surprise because Livingston are really good at home and they're uh, very tough to beat on their artificial pitch at uh, the Tony Macaroni Stadium. But Motherwell have got some quality players. Um, and, uh, you know, Christopher Long's been finding some great form at the start of the season. You know, they've, they've got so much quality. I know Livingston are tough to break down, but I just think Motherwell will sneak it 2-1. Now, I'm going to put my hands over my face ahead of this next one because my team are away to Rangers <laughs> I'm not going positive here <laughs> no not many seem to be lately yeah yeah they're struggling Aberdeen at the moment yeah they're going for a rough spell these things happen um, you know generally the consistency over the last few seasons has been um, I saw Tony Doherty you know mounting a strong defence for Derek this week and Fair enough, I think. But also, you can understand the fans, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're the ones that pay to watch. Um, so you can see both the story. Yeah. Um, uh, this game, I think, the thing is with Rangers, having lost to Hearts, they kind of know there's there's no margin for error now. Morelos will be back. Yes. Um, and starting. And um, no doubt doing his stuff. So I'm going to go for... I was going to go 2-1, but I'm going to go for a 2-0 Rangers. I've changed my mind at the last minute, which you should never do on prediction. Yeah, OK, so I'm, I'm going for a rampant Rangers when I'm going to go for 4-0. And you mentioned Morelos. Um, always when Morelos plays against Aberdeen, something happens. I remember uh, the game of, uh, a while back when uh, at when he had that incident with Scott McKenna, and uh, both yep. of them ended up getting sent off. That was a really good game, actually, even though Aberdeen lost. I think it finished 4-2, I think. It was a, a really good game. Yeah. But, uh, no, I fancy Rangers here. And, of course, the last time Aberdeen went down to Ibrox, they got well beaten and I remember that game as well because I was at Still Game Live and I looked at my phone after the game and it was, I think it was 5-0, it was a, a rampant win and Greg Stewart of course scoring against his old team <laughs> had, to, had to happen didn't it, but I just can't give Aberdeen a hope here and it's just going to 
keep mounting on Derek. And so it's a shame because it's just not quite happened for Aberdeen in the last few weeks. You know, I, I, I want him to, to succeed and I want him to do well, but it's just not happening at the moment. And they need something quickly because the longer it goes on, the longer the unrest is going to settle. And, you know, Rangers need a response, obviously, off the Hearts game. They got it on, on Tuesday against Ross County, but if they can kick on and be Aberdeen, then we shall see. But I'm going 4-0. Well, if, if you can't get yourself off again into places like Abrocks and playing, then, you know... Where can you? Exactly, that's absolutely right. You, know, you might get a response this week. Well, absolutely, and I'll, I'll, I'll live a little bit of positivity, but we shall see. Now, Hearts are unbeaten in 2020 so far, and they travel to St Johnston. Yeah, I did for them after what they did against Rangers, um, because, you know, uh, they raised their game, and obviously the arrival of the new guys. I thought uh, Toby Civic was brilliant in the He was, yeah. And obviously, Lee Boyce will score enough goals to absolutely get Hearts out of the up, no worry about that. Hearts will be shooting up uh, away from their bottom, no danger. Yeah, Boyce is a terrific signing for them. Naismith, if he can stay fit as well, is one of my favourite players. I agree. I mean, yeah. Always having a go at people during the game, and yeah. you know, great, great to watch. Um, but this is huge for them because they need to follow up what they did to Rangers, and I think they will. I'm going to go for a two-one. Yeah, I've gone for the exact same scoreline you mentioned, Stephen Naismith. For me, he's like the conductor of an orchestra. He just just rallies the troops and gets them playing. And I thought he was my man of the match against Rangers on, on Sunday. I know Liam Boyce got the winning goal, but he was just at the heart of everything positive about Hearts. You met, I think at the end of the game, they ended up with four strikers at one point because Ike Piazzi was on, Connor Washington was on as well. And these guys coming in will, not, will give Hearts a lot of confidence. And I really like what to work for Daniel Stendhal because Scottish Premiership needs strong Hearts. It needs a strong Hibs. It needs a strong Aberdeen to really get to really make it interesting and exciting for fans. And you know, I, I like St Johnston. I've got a lot of uh, love for Tommy Wright. I want him to to do well. And obviously, losing Matty Kennedy is going to be huge for him uh, going forward. And you know, they need a little bit of uh, confidence and quality as well. And they, well, they were well beaten by Celtic on Wednesday. And I just think Hearts will follow it up with another win and move themselves or start to move themselves clear of danger. Now, last game is uh, Hamilton against Celtic. And before we give a prediction about this, we must uh, say um, the news, obviously, about Brian Rice. A real a real shame what's happened there, Ian. Yeah, I know Brian quite well. He's a, he's a great guy, one of the best to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, and he's been very honest about uh, what occurred. Um, you know, I don't know what his views on the punishment will be, but, um, uh, you know, I think uh, the way that the football has uh, supported him after he came out and said what he said has been as it should be. And, yeah. um, you know, hopefully he'll be, uh, I mean, five games in quite a lot, to be fair, but uh, hopefully he'll be back uh, doing his stuff in the dugout soon. Yeah, very much so, and, and we wish him well and hope he gets the, the required uh, you know, resources to help him uh, through this tough time at the moment. Um, obviously, his team plays Celtic on Sunday. Um, I think there's only one winner here. I've gone 3-0 Celtic. What have you gone for here? Funnily enough, I've gone for exactly the same, yeah. Uh, I think uh, Celtic have come back from the winter break and a little bit, like they did at St Johnston, where they, they have that ruthless nature of uh, you know getting the job done. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when the clubs come back from the winter break, it can be a bit of a slow burner when they've had three weeks off, as we've seen. But uh, they look like, uh, listen, they've been over this course so many times yeah. now. Yeah. They know what they're doing and uh, certainly can't envisage any kind of uh, anything other than a convincing Celtic victory. Yeah, absolutely, and I fully endorse that. And, and, and it'd be interesting to see how some of Celtic's new signings are maybe 
pushed into the, the team more often, like Patrick Clamalla, for instance. And we saw a little bit of a sight of him on Wednesday night. Been to see how what happens with him. And and you know, you mentioned Celtic going the course and distance. They just have so much quality and, and, and I feel long term that might just be the difference, the mentality and the mental strength, the nature of going that course and distance so often in recent times, that might just be enough to get them over the line with battling Rangers for the title, but we shall wait and see. Well, that just about brings us to the end of another episode of Campbell's Footballs. Um, I hope this show is just what the doctor ordered. Just uh, one question before we wrap up, Ian. We must mention Scotland. Um, obviously, they've got the uh, playoff for Euro 2020 yep. against Israel coming up in March. Um, do you think we'll qualify for the Euros for a start? Well, I think uh, the Israel game is certainly winnable, and I would fancy us, I say us, because I feel like having commentated on it for 22 yeah. years, that that's the way it is. I've watched Scotland ahead of England. Um, I, think we've, I think that home draw, well, one -off, a one-off semi-final, gives Scotland a great chance. And, um, and then, who knows, Norway or Serbia? I don't know. I mean... Serbia, you know, Mitrovic is fit, he's not the Serbia and Lucy for Norway. It, it's going to be tricky. I'd rather the final would have been at Hamden, um, but it wasn't to be. So I hope they do it. I've been, I started covering national team 22 years ago, which is how long it's taken to qualify for it. Yeah. Not my fault, I hate to add. <laughs> but uh, I'd really love to see them go there, not just for the players, because I think they're quite a good, honest bunch of great guys who are in that squad at the moment. Uh, but also for the fans, obviously, who have uh, been suffering for so long, and, and really for generations of yeah. fans and, and everyone who <laughs> just never got to go to a major tournament. I remember working for Capital Radio at Euro 96, seeing them play at uh, Villa Park when they should have battered more than 1-0 and didn't get through to the knockout stage on goal difference. Yeah. Um, and Koisty scored and, you know, uh, the Tartan Army brilliant and all that. So I hope they did. I mean, you look at the players that we have available now and you see the likes of Andy Robertson. Um, I'm not sure Tierney will be fit. I think McGinn will have a right good go at being fit. McDominay maybe as well. John Fleck. Should have Stephen Mason. Should have Lee Griffiths. I think, you know, Steve Clark's will probably have the best squad that he's had yeah. available in his time in charge for these games. And, um, yeah, Scotland never do it the easy way. And no. it'll, be, it'll be, you know, it'll be going on and drama galore. But I just hope that this is, this is the time. It's about time. It and, is about um, time, definitely. I think there's a chance. Israel, yeah, is winnable. We've seen that. We played, you know, Scotland played them before. Um, I know, I know they lost to them, but they also beat them. So, you know, it's uh, it's ironic that, we, that Scotland got this playoff via a Nations League campaign in which they beat Israel, and now it's Israel again. Yeah, that's very <laughs> so, true. Uh, that's a bit, that's a bit strange, but hey. But then, you know, a trip to Norway, a trip to Serbia, who knows? Um, but I think we we have the players uh, who who could do it and I really hope they do because I think they're a good bunch well let's hope so that's for sure and let's be positive about Scotland's chances one last thing before we wrap up Ian I want you to give your sort of three predictions between now and the rest of the season of what could happen so basically what I have is a slam dunk which you think is an absolute certainty is going to happen what's your prediction that's got a half chance of happening and one that is a no hoper but you would love to see happening but maybe mentioned it already yeah, the one I'd love to see happening is Scotland qualifying for a major tournament. Because, yeah. Uh, you know, for fans that I know, um, and also for the players, and also for the, uh, us guys in the media who, 
you know, northern, you know, covering Scotland in a major tournament was a norm for a long time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, some of the guys who we see on the circuit or that haven't had the opportunity to do it. And, uh, so, so I hope that uh, happens. And it's going to be. Uh, March is going to be just huge, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there'll be a few twists and turns, but if they could just get through to the final, then we'll take it from there and uh, and see what happens. Elsewhere, uh, title race, I think it could go quite a long way, despite Rangers flipping up at heart. Rangers, obviously, you know, in the League Cup final with a dominant team lost, but they proved in the, in the league meeting that it wasn't a one-off that they can control games against Celtic. Whether Celtic will allow that to happen again is another matter, yeah. because who knows. Um, so, I wouldn't like to call a winner between them, but <laughs> we've all through this, many because we're sitting on the fence, as we've said all through this uh, podcast, you know, Celtic know how to get the job done. They've they do. been there, done it, and over the course, know how it's done. But, you know, the last two games that Rangers played against them must give them big hope. But they just can't afford any more like house. If it goes to the wire, Grant, because can't beat the middle day drop. Yeah, yeah. I hope it goes to the wire as well. I think it would be really exciting for Scottish football. It does, and we shall wait and see what happens. Well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Um, Ian, it's been a real pleasure to have you on this week, and thanks very much for contributing. No worries, mate. Enjoyed it. Yeah, no worries. And if you want to follow Campbell's Football's podcasts in the future, you can find them on Apple, you can find them on Spotify, you can find it on SoundCloud, you can find it on a range of other um, podcast channels wherever you find them and listen to them. And, uh, yeah, you can just uh, see what happens in the near future. I've got a few more exciting guests coming up, so keep following the word. You can... uh, Look for Campbell's Footballs on Facebook. Um, you can also tweet me at Stato underscore Grant or find me on Instagram at StatoG91. Um, until next time, this has been Campbell's Footballs, the only podcast where bad predictions are cancelled out by a good crack. And until next time, it's goodbye from me.